It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu F. And yeah, there's only two of us today. Andrew Flint uh, can't make it busy with something in Siberia. So um, the only person who's joining me is today is Tim. Tim, um, you know, we could have done this later. <laughs> Without <laughs> Andrew sitting halfway across the world, um, being reliable in his time zone. Yet we are still very up, very up early here on the BC West Coast. Yeah, good morning, Manu. Good morning to the listeners of Football Grad. Uh, yeah, uh, early morning we're doing this uh, wonderful uh, podcast. And yeah, there's quite a few topics we will cover today. Um, no usual jokes about food uh, at press center or um, about the weather because Andrew is not here. So we can just calmly enjoy our weather on, uh, you know, on a quiet basis. Yeah. No, no winter weather here. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I think Chris Williams is at the Liverpool game today and the, the, uh, CSGA game tomorrow in London. And I'm pretty sure there will be plenty of pictures on the, the Football Grad Network chat that will, uh, tick Andrew off. <laughs> uh, well, getting into that game, I guess that's our first topic, isn't it, Tim? The CSKA Moscow traveling to London to face Arsenal. Now, I think this is just to begin with, this is pretty much already our biggest surprise that CSKA Moscow are the team left in this competition, the quarterfinals of the Europa League. We didn't really think, you know, of all the, all the teams that Russia sent to international football this season, that was almost the unlikeliest candidate to go this deep, wasn't it? Yeah, given all the problems, like as we many times discussed in the podcast, uh, the, um, how thin is a CSKA uh, squad, and um, it's a known fact that uh, they have financial difficulties uh, as a club. Obviously, those financial difficulties are non comparable to, for example, what Amkar is going through. But like on the club level, they they don't have money pretty much. Uh, so, out of four teams which left in. In Europa League in, in this spring, they were, I agree, they were the most unlike, unlikely um, candidate to stay the longest. Uh, but they, as ever, it um, depends on the draw uh, because they, they got lucked out and they played against uh, Cervena Zvezda, which is, um, yeah, you know, was a good draw for them. But obviously then facing Lyon, that's that's not an easy team to beat. So also all respect to them. But like I've been saying, I expected Zenit to be the furthest, the team which will go the furthest, especially given their draw against Celtic and uh, Leipzig. But now Tsiska is there and they're facing Arsenal. And um, like I said, this is I think this uh, game against Arsenal is just a bonus for them. It's just like really um, another, uh, yeah, pretty much a bonus because uh, if they go past Arsenal, that's legendary and this is historical performance for a Russian team. If they don't, it's understandable. Obviously, our Arsenal is way more stronger and powerful club and financially stronger club. So there's no really downside for them in this match. Arsenal are obviously the, the favorites. Uh, but really, just like like I said on one of the previous podcasts, it gives the young CSKA uh, players to a great opportunity to face uh, such a strong team and play in, in, at a great stadium. Uh, maybe there will be even people there. 
And um, yeah, that's just great opportunity to play uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world for them. So just just the positive spin on that whole game, I think. You can't really lose if you say Scar, I think. Yeah. Because you're going into this game, massive outsiders, right? You're already at a stage of the competition that no one really expected you to be at. And you, you sort of mentioned it, they're a club that are financially struggling a little bit, but also retooling with a lot of young players in the side. I mean, we're looking at, um, Andrew's projected lineup, Andrew wrote the preview, which is up on footballgrad.com. Um, of course, Beresutsky twins, um, in a center backs. He has it as a three, five, two, but, um, that's a lot of experience. Uh, one would also say old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're getting up there, right? But then Pontus Wernblum is in the, in the center, um, between, sandwich between the two twins, uh, as the central defender in this three, five, two. But when you look further up the pitch, you know, you have, Players like Golovin and Kuchaev that are younger and really, you know, the players that Ceska almost centers on when it comes to rebuilding this club a little bit, right? There's a lot of, their academy has been very fruitful in recent years. And when you, when you look at the, the way they sort of been restructuring, also with a very good coach, Viktor Goncharenko, right? Who plays that three, five, two almost religiously. And so as a club, they are, you, you're quite right. They're quite, they, they financially, it's not they troubled like Amka Perm, um, but at the same time, this is a, still a club that's very much in rebuild. So I think any experience that they can get from this stage of the competition will be fantastic for them. And you have to also remember, right, we're getting now to a stage of this competition where you can actually make some money. Yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, and it's obviously good for them. And uh, I assume I'm not sure how the TV rights work, but you know, uh, game in England also that should add some some cash to 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 their bank account. And uh, the point which I agree with you completely, that's a great opportunity for their young players, regardless of the result, even even if they lose completely those two matches. Uh, that's that's the game for players like uh, Chalov, uh, Giovanni Dinov, I don't know who will be playing in those two games. Uh, Galavin also needs experience. They're, they're still young players and Galavin has been linked to Arsenal quite uh, for, for some period of time. So for them, it is also for him, it's also an opportunity to prove himself um, in front of um, the Arsenal, the, the, the coaching staff and the club. If, if this interest is uh, serious, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's just, like I said, like I agree with you. There's, there's nothing to lose for them. There's only, they can only gain out of this competition and they will gain even if they lose. Um, they will gain experience and uh, just, to, just, to just play a good match and football players, especially players who don't play on the very, very top players, uh, sorry, top level. They live for those games, like players, they, 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 they dream of playing those games. And this is what they train, train for years on a daily basis to play those kind of matches. Quarterfinal of Europa League for any Russian player. That's a, that's a very high level and especially playing in England against Arsenal. So yeah, um, good for them. To be quite honest, if, if we go down to projections, I, I don't predict any success uh, from CSKA, especially because Looking at uh, English Premier League table and how poorly Arsenal doing, this is their pretty much only chance of getting to Champions League, and I think they should be taking this seriously. But at the same time, we know it's Arsenal, so we never know to expect and which Arsenal you will get. Uh, but even the, that, the, that in mind, still Arsenal, obviously a better club and they're the favorites in this tie. We've seen Arsenal a couple of times in this competition, obviously because they were drawn to. Uh, Bart Borisov, right? And then, uh, Köln. So, so two teams that we cover on the football grad network. And I saw them in Köln, um, when they faced Köln. And that was a game that Arsenal actually lost. But, um, Wenger has really rotated his side in, in this tournament quite a lot. And I think that they haven't really been tested. Um, you know, speaking about luck of draw, but Arsenal haven't really been tested in this competition at all. And I think that the CSKA are not going to be that test either. Um, yet at the same mm -hmm. time, when I, when I look at their lineup, projected lineup again, um, we have, we have someone on the football World network who covers Arsenal for us and, um, Ospina, Kosherny, Chambers, Mustavi, 
Bellerin, Shaka, Elmeni, Kolasinac, Özil, Mkhitaryan, and Lacazette. Now that's, that's a lineup that's a lot more, speaks a lot more seriousness for this tie. And I think you're quite right, Tim. I, the Champions League is pretty much, there's no way that they can reach the Champions League through the English Premier League because of the standings. So this is the, this is the, the obvious path for them, but I just don't think that Arsenal have enough to get past someone like Atletico. Or, you know, that's, I think the moment they come up against a big club like that, they will be just absolutely dismantled because Arsenal is just such a weird side. And I almost wonder if them taking this game a little bit more serious, if there could be an element of surprise. But I guess that's something that remains to be seen, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like, especially on the Atletico Madrid point. Obviously, the Atletico Madrid is is, is one of the top European sides, and they just by uh, their own mis miscalculation and misfortune in that competition, they should be playing right now in on Tuesdays and, and Wednesdays. And, but uh, yeah, but uh, still, it also comes down to the draw. And uh, you know, if if they will go past CSKA and manage to avoid Atletico Madrid in the semi-final, then it comes down to one game. I still think that Atletico Madrid is a stronger side than Arsenal, also given then, from what I understand, uh, that the Pyramid-Berica Aubameyang cannot play in the competition. So he, who is obviously their now best striker. Um, um, yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal is a team to me without the spine, and uh, they, they don't have consistency, and therefore... Going back to Ceska, that's the their Ceska's only chance that uh, we will get the bad Arsenal or like weird Arsenal on on a given Thursday uh, this week and next week. That's only that's the only chance for Ceska. Obviously, um, even that uh, squad of Arsenal is superior than Ceska's. Yeah, so that game on Thursday, um, we'll keep a close eye on that, Tim. But we have we have other stuff to talk about as well. So that wraps it up. With the Europa League, um, we'll cover the, that match, of course, next week as well. Um, see how it all went down. But yeah, that's, um, really our, our next thing that we have to cover is the, the Russian Football Premier League and, um, some very interesting results. But before we get into the interesting results, um, it was a bit of a, a sad match day, wasn't it? Because of the disaster in Kemerova. In, in Siberia, the shopping mall that burned down, lots of kids perished. It's very sad, and we want to extend our grievance to um, the, the many families and people that have been affected by this. And it, there was a lot of outpour of grief um, around this match day, right? Uh, your side, Spartak, at the Okite Arena. Um, silence for the entire first half, right, Tim? Yeah, it was it was a uh, weird and strange decision. But uh, going back to that tragedy, this is just like really horrible thing that happened. Back in Russia, it happened to pretty much two hundred kilometers away from from my city. That's why it's even more uh, tragic and sad for me because it's really like I've been to the city to Kemero and it's I have friends from that city. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very very Sad, sad story. And uh, official reports that there was 64 uh, people died, and most of them are kids. But unofficial reports say it's up to 400. And the reason they are mm, the government or like the official reports are li- really lowering the numbers because there was all kind of sorts of um, uh, mismanagement and errors which were potentially made in terms of the fire alarm and things of that nature. So we don't know exactly. Uh, what was the actual result of, uh, you know, of deaths in, in that massive tra- tragedy. But regardless of that, it's just, it just a massive tragedy which happened. And it's really put the whole country for a couple of weeks down because it's uh, obviously every game started with a minute of silence. As you mentioned, the first half of Spartak game, uh, the first half of the fans were silent and it was really, really strange atmosphere. And obviously everyone understood why that was happening, but the first half Spartak didn't, they weren't themselves. It, it was, it was, it was very poor performance. And then second half, the fans kicked in and it, um, Spartak played better and got the result. But we'll talk about it in a separate segment. But, uh, yeah, it just really, I just, um, it's very hard to talk about. It's, um, an important question though, Tim, because we just had the Russian election, right? 
Um, now we had this disaster and you, you pointing out that all sorts of reports that come out about problems with the construction, um, exit, emergency exits not working. Um, there has, this has been a theme that has been going on in, in Russia quite often with the corruption, um, you know, cutting corners to save costs, mm-hmm. etc. And then this, uh, to bring it back to the football, um, that's pr- because this can be almost seen yes, as a silence to remember the victims, but at the same time, it almost seemed like a, a protest, didn't it? That the fan, the fact that the fans reacted quite strongly to this. And I mean, this is Russia's biggest club. Um, there was also reactions, of course, in other stadiums, but I mean, when you see that video, it, it gives you the chills, doesn't it? And, it makes you think football has always been a platform for where people could express the way they felt about certain things going on in the country. Do you think this will have this, this accident or incident will create a sort of, you know, sort of a, a, an avalanche of uh, people really wanting to get change and, you know, judging by the way that people have reacted at the games, is this something that is kind of catching on a little bit. Well, it's, uh, there's definitely a wave. I don't know how how what percentage of uh, the whole population this wave represents because there was there had been two views of this whole tragedy in terms of like people just how how the people talk about it. Uh, some people just said, "Listen, let's just not involve any politics. Let's just uh, grieve with the families who lost lost lots of their kids." That's one way of looking. And the other way people started leaking it to the politics and the whole corruption. And like you said, cutting corners. And that's, and that's how, that's one of the reasons why this whole tragedy happened because pretty much the, the fire exits were locked up. They were like nailed, nailed exits were nailed, uh, and weren't working. So people could not escape through the fire exits. So it's uh, obviously there's an investigation going. Um, but. As unfortunate as it is, um, I'm not sure if this will change the, you know, the avoid corruption in just one go uh, completely. And I'm pretty sure that right now the all of the shopping malls and shopping centers will go through a massive uh, fire alarm uh, testing uh, and like all all those like fire exits, everything, because just because it was just just happened. But again, there's no, uh, I cannot be certain confident saying that like you know, everything will be done exactly like it's done in Germany, like it's done in Canada. Um, it's, you know, unfortunately in Russia, yes, there will be the small effect, but I don't think the effect, this effect will uh, trans- transition into 100% avoid avoid the corruption and, you know, everyone being honest. And, mm. uh, so, yeah, there will be some effect, but I don't think this this effect will be big enough to evaluate, to sorry, to eliminate uh, all those problems which Russia has. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very sad story. And uh, if if you haven't seen so already, um, there's plenty of videos from from this match day, match day 24, of how various stadiums have reacted to it. I think the the most stunning or eerie display almost is the one at the Otkite Arena uh, with with Spartak fans. Um, not just a minute of silence, but a half time of silence. Um, powerful, powerful stuff. And I guess we'll see how this will impact things in the long run. But yeah, Tim, let's, let's talk about some of the football, right? Um, go away from the tragedy and, um, go towards, towards the actual games on the pitch. Um, don't want to go to the Sparta game quite yet. I want to go to another game that took place in, in Moscow uh, between, yes, Amka Perm and Lokomotiv Moscow because Amka, we, we kind of have to explain this a little bit, don't we? Amka rented, yeah. Amka rented, uh, Lokomotiv Stadium. Um, but Lokomotiv paid for all the costs and Amka got all the money. Um, this is, this is something that we already alluded to last week. Um, this was actually legal that Amka Perm's home ground, um, the Svetzda Stadium in, in Perm was, was not, able to host the game because of the weather conditions, right? Their replacement stadium is in Ufa, and Ufa had a, had a home game themselves so that the game couldn't take place there. So Lokomotiv bought this game, um, for lack of better words, 
by basically paying for the stadium rent and then uh, giving Amka all the the proceeds of this game. Um, we wrote a very cr- critical article on this, Tim, suggesting <laughs> that this is not necessarily the best thing in terms of sportsmanship. Um, funnily enough, Amka actually ended up winning this game. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's funny that, because we suggested that maybe, you know, this is a way for Locomotive to give them a massive advantage in the title race by adding another home game. We have to, but before we get into this game, we have to add what, what Locomotive and Amka did was perfectly legal by the Russian Football Premier League regulation standards. Exactly, yes. So, just to give you an idea of the whole circus of that situation, that, uh, like uh, Manu, you said, uh, the, their stadium, Zvizda, is, isn't, um, cannot host the game. So, their first option, which to me, like, oh, and you said, like, Kufa is not available. Their first option was to move the game to Khabarovsk, which, you know, we joked so many times um, about, you know, how, how far away it is. And so, they suggested to move a game between team from Perman from Moscow to Khabarovsk, like on the other side of the country. And their reasoning was is because we don't have money and our next game is against Ska Khabarovsk um, away. So how about we play there and we'll stay there to save the cost. So Lokomotiv will be just, are you crazy? <laughs> we don't need to go one extra time to Khabarovsk to play you. And uh, so they found a solution and which was pretty much a loophole in, in the regulations of Russian Premier League. Um, and, uh, they hosted the game in Moscow. That was a home game for Amkar, but it was hosted on Lokomotiv Stadium. Amkar, like you said, made money and pretty much, uh, I'm, I don't know if we should be using the word quote unquote or it's, if the game was actually bought, I think it was 20 million rubles, something like that. So it's a good amount of money. And, um, yeah, and it turns out that that was, ended up being a disadvantage for locomotive players because really everyone, all the journalists who were at the game, they, they said that, um, you know, locomotive players, they weren't themselves. Uh, it looked like they felt like they already won the game because everything was done in their favor instead of going away to cold perm, uh, perm and playing at the uh, plastic pitch in Zvizda Stadium. Uh, they had a chance to play at home and in front of their fans. Uh, actually, it's, it's funny because obviously Amkara was officially the, the home, the home game. And I think, uh, there was a hundred times more uh, away fans than the home fans. I think there was a hundred Amkara fan, uh, fans and about 10,000 of, uh, <laughs> like my fans. So it was, it was absolutely ridiculous game. But in the end of the day, Amkara came out as, as winners. And uh, they won 2-1. Um, um, Olanare, who uh, we know from playing uh, at Tsaiska, and he wasn't very successful. He scored two goals, and one actually, it's, his second goal was absolutely brilliant. Uh, very, very technically beautiful uh, goal he scored in uh, um, on in Lokomotiv Stadium. And that's that's just a really surreal situation. This is as weird as it gets. Um, after that happened, already the um, people from Russian Premier League said that they will uh, avoid that loophole in in the re- rules and regulations of the league um, to that you know that this is possible, and they said that they will um, put way more stronger stronger rules in terms of where the games should be hosted. But um, you're absolutely right. Like what happened is according to the current rules and regulations of Russian Premier Football League, it was completely legal, and uh, Amkar pretty much sold their home game. Um, uh, for an away game and came out with three points, <laughs> which is makes the, the, the title race um, exciting again. It's funny because we say they sold their home game, right? We don't mean that they actually sold the game to... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's because um, obviously, and uh, I got a message from Locomotive about my article that they weren't too happy about my title suggestion that they, they sold the home game. What they did, they did sell, they did buy the home advantage. But yeah. It, yeah. Um, yes, and you're right. It is completely legal by Russian Football Premier League standards. And they're not the first one to do so, right? Sanit did something similar back in 2015. Um, and there was a bit more controversy about that game because that game was against Ufa. And Ufa really needed a draw to stay in the league in that game. And Sanit just needed the point to celebrate the title in front of their own own fans and guess what what the, what the result was <laughs> <laughs> so i th- i think this is 
just to point out, this, this isn't the first time this has happened. And I, I, I'm not surprised that the Russian Football Premier League is saying, well, maybe we shouldn't allow this because, um, I mean, on paper, before the game, before knowing the result, right? Because this could have very well also gone the other way. This, this was an advantage for Lokomotiv that they, well, their boo-boo that they didn't take it up. But I mean, in the end of the day, this could have almost decided the title for them. Now it's blown the title race wide open, but we didn't know that before the game kicked off, right? Yeah, it's kind of worked out backwards for them because they obviously, um, they even like, I, I watched a little, um, TV, um, you know, segment on that yesterday. And even like the president of Lokomotiv, Ilya Gerkus, said that they shared um, some, ex- uh, not experience, the technical production of the game. So, uh, you know, just the whole organization. So pretty much uh, Lokomotiv was organizing an away game, um, like obviously at their own stadium. It sounds super weird, uh, but they obviously like, you know, they, they were putting in some work in terms of making this game happen, uh, obviously spending money. Um, and, um, yeah, obviously trying to get that home advantage, which in the end of the day did, didn't work for them. Um, and, um, yeah, like obviously players said, players didn't really have as much say in it. Uh, I understand the coaching stuff. Yuri Sermon was also, um, because uh, originally when Amkar offered uh, to play in Khabarovsk, um, Lokomotiv counter offer was to play in Sochi. It's beautiful weather, beautiful new stadium, so let's play there. Uh, but they ended up playing in Moscow. And from what I understand, again, we're going back to that conflict be- between Elia Gerkos and Yuri Sermin. I don't think, it doesn't seem like Yuri Sermin never commented on that. Uh, but he doesn't seem like he was really, you know, 100% happy with that decision. Because the, the team wasn't themselves. And even yesterday, I watched the, the, the show, like the review show of the games. The journalists who were at the game, they said that Yuri Sermin behaved was weirdly calmly for for a team for his team losing to one because he Yuri Sermin is known for being absolutely crazy on the sideline, yelling and waving, and he is like a, quite a character to watch him on the sideline, especially when his team is losing, especially in a home game against one of the worst sides in the league and in the in the in the title race. So everyone expected him to be absolutely mental, but people say that he was not himself. He was very 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 quiet. And um, really had a strange behavior uh, that day. So, like everything about this game was was weird. The, where the game was handled, the way the way the result came out, and the way the locomotive players um, behaved. People like even there was an even opinion they felt like they already won this game on paper. And on paper, yes, they won it because they, it was pretty much a home game. Everything was to set up for them for a win. But on, on the field, they were not quite ready and maybe not as motivated as they should have been. Well, there was a lot of criticism about the way this game was hosted, Tim, right? So that almost, I almost wonder if that had an impact on the performance and the way, you know, they're all sportsmen, right? And mm-hmm. I, I reckon Yuri Simon is someone who takes sportsmanship quite serious and you know when all my article was published I, I got some reactions from um russian from some of our russian twitter followers and saying yes uh, you know the picture that i did um i basically took the the advertisement banner that amka Perm produced for their homepage and put a big sold stamp on it and mm-hmm. a lot of the reactions that i got they said yeah that this sums up our our football very well right um so positive reactions to the image that we did for the article in terms of that it really fit the way people saw the way this game was handled in terms of moving it to locomotive, giving locomotive the advantage. So I can almost see that there would be criticisms within the club saying, look, if we do this and this backfires, um, we lose this game, there will be there will be a lot of people now, you know, the entire country will basically just turn on us. And, you, and all the fans from all the other clubs will say, well, you try to get an advantage out of this. And it backfired, so good for you, good for, for you, you know, that's karma. It just seems to be fair. And it puts a lot of pressure on everyone involved, right? Because all of a sudden, this home game, you were given this advantage, which a lot of people in the country think is unfair. And all you really can do is lose because if you do not win the game, 
everyone will be basically laughing in your face, right, for bottling it up after gaining an unfair advantage. So I can see why this puts a lot of pressure on them, right? Because all of a sudden this home game, this bought home game, it's an adage. It's a political. It's almost a political problem. Yeah, and you know, I think this. You know, the the repercussions of this game could be even more than just uh, losing three points. Because if they, let's say, if they would have played in Amkar and they lost the game, it's not the big deal. They're eight eight points ahead. It's not it's like okay or like well less now. But obviously, like okay, if they won away, it is that there's no this media pressure and there's no this weird whole situation about the game. Okay, you just lose the game and then you keep playing. Like I'm in a good position to win the league, but I think this whole just story about this game that definitely affected the players, that definitely affected the club, and this could be just you know uh, something that really might affect the, the the future of the future games. Like obviously, I'm I'm completely biased, and I want that be as a Spartak fan, but uh, as a neutral, we will see in the next couple of games how that all um you know how this all works out, and if. Really, like my teams are not themselves um, in that game. Well, then their own management and that decision really uh, could affect their final result in, in in the league. So, yeah, it's it's a weird story. It's it's really hard to really to talk about it because that never had doesn't have that stuff doesn't happen in normal football. No, no, that's I think that's really it. It doesn't happen in normal mm-hmm. football. But oh, this is Russia. So yeah, <laughs> welcome to Russia, my friend. Um, yeah, so that's on the table in the standings. And keep in mind, a locomotive have a game less than Spartak. Spartak are just two points behind locomotive. Um, again, Spartak have a game more than anyone else in the top four because Senate, uh, CSKA and locomotive's games were canceled last last week two weeks ago right for the for the russian presidential election, election. um so those games will be made up at in april if i'm correct right tim yeah yeah, yeah they're playing fairly soon um yeah but also we at, at this point when me you and andrew talked before the season have started and like my had eight points um gap we looked at their upcoming games and we saw that they yes they do have games against krasnodar and zenith but those games are second last and the third last. And with eight points in mind, we had a idea that, you know, those games, those two big games against Krasnodar and Zenit, they might be not as important because by the time they get there, they might already wrap up the point. Right now, it's a completely different story because right now there's only two, um, two points difference. So, uh, yes, of course, Lokomotiv has one game in, one, one game in hand, but they need to, vi- uh, to win this game. And given what I said, um, there's no certainty. And, you know, now I'm looking at Lokomotiv's schedule. They still have to play away in Krasnodar. They're playing uh, home against Zenit. And Zenit will be fighting till the last moment, um, even if not for the trophy. But also, it's very important for them to make it to the Champions League. So I'm 100% certain that Zenit will be motivated. And they have games against um, teams like Kufa, which is doing very well this season. Uh, they, their uh, next game is against Rostov, which is a good team. And they also playing against Dynamo Moscow away. Uh, even Dynamo Moscow is not uh, the you know the world beaters, but it's a Moscow derby. And it's away in, in their stadium. And, um, you know, that, that it's, it's not a given game. So now when we're looking after what happened and after there's only two um points difference on paper uh, the locomotive's calendar doesn't look as easy as it looked in the beginning of uh, that spring uh, spring part of the season well we even look at the results this week right that Spartak won the game CSKA won the game Zenit finally won a game (laughs) Um, this wasn't supposed to happen for locomotive at all and when you look at the schedule next week um, they are facing Rostov at home (laughs) actually at <laughs> home real home game um but you know given on what happened that's all of a sudden that's all of a sudden not um a game that you're automatically going to win so on the virtual table right keep in mind yes they have still a game in hand technically they could be passed this weekend by Spartak if they you know if they don't win their game um if, well, if they lose their game and Spartak wins there, Spartak will go past them. 
Now, of course, you, you still have that game in hand, but you have to win that game in hand first. And no, knowing now that you have to, pretty much, that changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, they, they're not as calm as they were. And like I said, we have, we still have to see how that whole story with the Amkar games will affect the, the team, the players. Um, because it, it, it will be, uh, I assume, a bit of a psychological um, challenge for them. Now, I'm not saying that it's impossible to overcome. I'm saying that it's all finished and Lokomotiv will get relegated. But, uh, you know, it just puts way, way more questions on what looked absolutely and work in the park, walk in the park for them. Um, in the beginning of that of that part of the season, so now it's, there's so many questions, and uh, really, like, uh, well, it's good for me uh, as I'm absolutely biased, but uh, for Lokomotiv fans, like, it's 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 not as calm and it's not as it doesn't look as a done completely done deal like it looked uh, just a few weeks ago. Well, Tim, you said that the homework against Tosno, you know, despite the eerie atmosphere and mm-hmm. the two-one result doesn't look convincing, but given the fact what ha- what happened. At the first half of the, the stadium, it's understandable that you basically just walking away with the three points is the best case scenario in a game like that, right? So you did your homework. Um, I think of the, the sides up there, Spartak are probably the, the closest to locomotive, um, that could challenge them at this stage of, of the season, right? And theoretically, we have the easiest calendar because we, we already played with, them, with all the leaders of the, of the table. We don't have any big matches left. We only have like the, what's doable. Sometimes it's not as good for Spartak actually, but, um, because we perform better in a tougher conditions. That's just historically how it is. But, uh, just on paper, the, um, the, uh, the, the calendar is way easier for us. So fun in, in the league. Uh, we won all the games we we played, um, and um, the club is, is is like you know the team is in a fairly good good condition right now. Like I don't see any, um, you know the the, 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 the and it's hard to say because obviously there was the game against Atletico Athletic Bilbao which was not successful. But if we just look at the format in the league, um, we just won all the games. And they were not convinc- convincing, super convincing victories, but we had to play against Skahabarovsk in the crazy conditions. A game against Rubin was just horrible conditions. Lokomotiv, uh, that tie in the beginning of the season again was, was in horrible conditions. Oh yeah. So yeah, we didn't want all, the, uh, we didn't win all the games, but there was a tie against Lokomotiv. But, um, uh, going just so, so quickly covering the game against Tosno. Um, yeah, like you're absolutely right. The first, the first half was very, very weird atmosphere because the fans were completely quiet. It was, it was a very strange atmosphere and obviously everyone understood that. Um, but also that was the game after the national teams, national team break. Mm. And as ever, Spartak sent so many different players to, to different teams. And, uh, obviously all the players were not in the best conditions. Quincy Proms played for, for Netherlands, uh, other players traveled, like Russian players played for their national team. So in this game, it was pretty much the, the question in all those conditions. The key was to get three points and we got it. So it's, it's great. And we're just moving on. Uh, as we speak right now, Spartak just started a few minutes ago at their cup game against Krylia Sovetov in Samara. Another game which was postponed originally was supposed to be in February, but due to horrible minus 16 uh, weather, it was um, postponed and now the plane as we speak right now. So that's another, um, you know, trophy for, for and challenge for Spartak. So, but the, uh, to answer your question again, you know, because I'm talking on Spartak, I can talk as, as, as long as we have time. Uh, but to answer your question is that, um, really Spartak to me looks like the, 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 the best team to challenge Lokomotiv right, right now. Yeah, I, I think so too. Although we do have to also remember that there is a city rival. Um, who also look in good place because CSKA have a game in hand, right? If CSKA win that game, they go even on points with Spartak. And I mean, this, this is, this is just remarkable. We might have, um, by, by the time the makeup games are wrapped up and if locomotive stumble one more time, we might have a title race involving the three Moscow clubs at the very top of the table. And we, we sort of been kind of glancing over at CSKA, but they've been quietly doing their job, you know, with the, with the rebuild, with the young players. We outlined all the great things. Uh, some of the young players have been doing for them in the Europa League. 
a competition where they have done very well, right? And uh, sort of kind of glancing, kind of ignoring them almost in the title race. But we have to remember the team that we talked a lot about in this title race, especially in the beginning of the season, Zenit. CSKA are actually ahead of Zenit right now. And Zenit, um, an extra two points behind CSKA, they are really just battling right now for the championship spot. They seem to be a bit too far away from, from the title race to interfere. But CSKA are pretty much in the same position in Spartak right now. And that is, yeah. that is something that we, that we almost a little bit forget, um, that CSKA, and this is a, this is a side that has won many titles, has won the most titles, uh, since 2000, right? In the, in the modern Russian football mm-hmm. Premier League area. This is, this is the team that is consistently winning titles. Um, and they, 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 they are about, um, even though they're in a rebuild. Is this a side that maybe gets a little bit underestimated and, therefore could fly under the radar and come out on top at the very end of it that's how they always do it that's that's their style they always do those quiet um they work out those wins that just like the way Seska has been under uh, Evgeny Ginner that's their style um they don't really well like they've done this like those legendary comebacks and um what was it i think at one point of uh time in early 2000 with their Maybe even it was late nineties with their coach Oleg Dalmatov. They won fifteen games in a row in the second half of the season, and they ended up being second. Um, that's that they have the they have the history of those comebacks. Uh, they have the obviously the experience. There's probably uh, a couple centuries in their defense, and um, but this is this is, they known for this. Spartak never oh sorry Tsk never plays this beautiful type of football as we know they play three five two but they get the the results they get they get things done and they actually the the team which grinds out the results and so obviously I I see them yeah like I agree with you yeah that you probably I shouldn't be just saying that it's just Spartak the only favorite Tsk is also there they um to the game and hand down on the same points as Spartak and um, yeah they um, they they're also in title race and like you said it's funny how like in the beginning of that just a few games ago four games ago we were saying that uh, it's it's locomotives to just to lose the, the the trophy and now it doesn't look like it we can have a um, title race which will be you know obviously exciting for for the league and for the neutrals yeah, and we want a title race, right? Uh, that'd be, yeah. be exciting. And if it involves more than one club, yeah, <laughs> even better, because that that generates even more excitement. Um, so yeah, I guess this this is a really ongoing development. I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch what's going to happen. Of course, we have to keep that makeup game in mind. Um, yes, the Russian Cup, and of course the Europa League. The the two teams behind Lokomotiv are still in two other competitions out of Spartak. Uh, is basically Spartak against the uh, FNL, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, this is this is a title that is theirs to lose. We'll we'll talk about uh, the Russian Cup next week and, and see how how it all went down. Um, but yeah, interesting development. Um, another interesting development: a video that emerged on the weekend as well uh, involved Fedor Smolov, um, Tim, and this this was one that. <laughs> You know, is very, if you, if you would say all the things he said to the fans in in Grasada, um, (laughs) there would be a lot of beeping involved in this podcast. (laughs) So, uh, we, we refrain from that, but, um, there's a story emerged that he really wants out. Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror now. At Krasnodar, um, then of course it also emerged that the head coach got fired, Shalimov, right, and he was replaced with Murat Musaev. Um, it's odd because there's a lot of discontent at this club right now, but at the same time, we are actually having a story come out on, on footballgrad.com on this. At the same time, you know, they're fifth. Um, and when you look at the standings, yes, they, they have played 24 games. Um, at the same time, though, 
you sort of get the sense that nothing, it's not well there right now and that uh, Galitsky maybe is now at the verge of bringing in these youth academy prospects and selling players like Smolov. And I mean, we're talking about Smolov, the, the biggest star of the, the Russian national team. And uh, yet things are kind of just it unhinged a little, eh? Yeah, let's let's start with the like you covered quite a few points. Let's start with the first one that uh, the video which happened when pretty much uh, Fedor Slomolov uh, was leaving the pitch and, uh, after their tie against Anji when Anji on the very very last kick of the game pretty much equalized the game and it was one one and uh, Fedor Smolov was um, swearing in a very very ugly way um, on his fans because they were booing. Uh, but uh, also something that was announced after the game uh, the day before and I think the day of. Fedor had um, his temperature, like the body temperature was 37 point, I don't know, something. So he was pretty much sick. He played sick. And this is something that it's regardless of that situation, this is something that um, I always try to be cautious in terms of your emotions against the football player because you never know and nobody will announce that player is playing with, um, you know, with a flu or with something happening in their personal life. And because those things are just personal, are they not being announced and um, due just to the sportsmanship competition? But sometimes we have to really manage our emotions in terms of how we, what we say about the players. I read all these those comments on the internet and people just saying really nasty things about football players. But you don't know really what's happening in their lives. And like in the, in this case, yeah, further was sick and he still played and managed a pretty good game. Um, and then he gets the booze and obviously with the result not going this way, obviously there's emotions. But, um, yeah, to me, this is like, of course, like if further, what further said, he's, he, he's the, you know, he's the celebrity in Russian football and he cannot really say those things. But I understand. And in, in, in this situation, I will be on, on the player's side because given that he played sick and really it's not going well right now for his team, you kind of can understand and justify what he said. So. I just really, I always want the, you know, the football fans, and I'm not going to change that, but I'm just saying that I always try to be cautious with my emotions and my comments on, on, on players, because really you just don't know what's happening in their lives. Uh, the situation with, with the coach, um, Sergei Galetsky, who is the president and the owner of the club yesterday, um, was on the um, Russian TV show, which reviews uh, the, the match day. And he spoke quite openly about why he fired Shalimov and um, he said that this decision was kind of long in the making, but he was never uh, brave enough to pull the trigger. But um, the series of results and a few other things uh, which he didn't disclose uh, led to, the, to, the, to, you know, to Shalimov being fired. He was very, very thankful and he said a very interesting thing. He said, honestly, uh, me um, as a club owner, our management, our scouting mm, department and the players have to share uh, that, um, you know, Shalinov being let go with him because I know that us as a club, due to you know, financial fair play reasons, we were not able to do the transfer we wanted to do. So we didn't give Shalinov the players we could have given him um, based on our budget and our financial abilities. Um, so he, he really, he was really, really positive about Shalimov and he thanked him for everything he's done. So it was, it was, it was, it was a very nice thing for him to do. So it seems like they remain friends. And I know that uh, they were very, very close when Shalimov worked at uh, Krasnodar. They were pretty much on a daily basis. I think they even live fairly close to each other. So they spent lots of time together talking about football. And the, the coach who will replace Sh Shalimov is Murat Musaev. Is 35 year old coach who doesn't have an uh, man is a pro license or a license, which is the license which allowed to, to like the, the the top license, top coaching license. He doesn't have that. He will get this license by by the by the beginning of the next season. But according to Sergei Galitsky, uh, this coach Murat Musaev uh, has been with the club um, for seven years, which is 70 percent of <laughs> history of the club. Uh, and, um, he says that we want, we believe in our academy. We invested so much money and we want to have that continuity of, um, an academic player coming in and uh, managing the first team. And he says that there's about eight or nine players who he sees 
eventually joining the first team in the next couple of years. And that makes sense because, you know, a few, few weeks ago, we outlined how well Krasnodar have done in the youth league, the UEFA youth league, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, some of the players that we outlined, of course, Ivan Ignatyev, um, maybe one of the brightest prospects in, in Russian football at the moment, um, very, very talented player, um, will, will have a massive impact, I think, in, in short order and did very well replacing Fedor Smolov when Smolov was injured. So a fantastic player to watch with a bright future. Um, and I think there's a lot of other players in the academy at the moment. So it kind of makes sense to appoint an academy coach to sort of bring in that transition to say, okay, look, our goal was always to have the club based on the, the great academy that we have, right? That long term, we're going to develop our own players and play our own young players. Um, I just looked at the, at the squad right now, Tim, and the average age is 27.1. So it makes sense for them to bring in that transition because 27.1 for an average age, that's, that's quite old as a squad. So they really need that infusion of youth and they really need a coach who can, who can do it for them. Yeah. And, uh, Galski, the owner of Krasnodar said many times that his dream to see on the pitch of his stadium playing for his club, 11 players who are academy uh, players of his own academy. That's his dream. He says, this is, when I see that, I will be the happiest person in the world and I can die happy. This is where this club is going. So for the listeners who they need to understand, we talk a lot about Krasnodar, but Krasnodar is a very weird club because it's, it's, it's a club which is, it's not like a club which is run by a big corporation and they have their own goals of what the club should do. This club is run by one person, Sergei Galitsky, and his goal is not to win trophies and he said like this many many times he his goal is to enjoy the beautiful game which uh, his team is playing he said we will never park the bus because i will not allow my team to park the bus we would rather lose but we will play a beautiful game and he also wants to um to raise uh, those to 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 invest in this academy so he gets those players so it's it's a really weird approach because like you know it's 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 a it's a base it's 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 by default the clubs are built to to win trophies not to play beautifully but he takes this different approach and that's why those decisions are being made the 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 coach of their from their academy is becoming making the coach of the first team with the with the with the thought in mind that there's about eight or nine players he said yesterday on TV shows which he hopes will transition with the coach to the first team in the next two three years he said so that's 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 why those changes are being made and that's why he's not he actually said I don't want any two hills in my club that's, that was his quote uh, so he doesn't want to to hire and famous foreigner who will just might get him a result he has this whole vision of how his club is going and you can't really argue with him it's his money it's his club yeah yeah that's exactly it. it's his decision um maybe the final point on this Fedor Smolov um apparently told media that he's going that he wants to join West Ham even before the World Cup um odd choice eh very odd choice, but I think he kind of covering his bases in terms of saying that he wants to sign the contract before uh, before the uh, the World Cup because if Russia gets embarrassed in the World Cup, nobody would would, would, would even look at further small. If we had those stories in the past, uh, a couple of times there was some conversations about uh, players potentially moving abroad, and then after they saw them performing at the World Cup or Euros, uh, those conversations conversations completely finished. I think it was the same about uh, according. Remember there was a rumor about him going on loan to Arsenal, I believe. There was one of those deals. And then Kakorin just, uh, <laughs> when, uh, Russia just completely, yeah, like the, the Euro they played, nobody even looked at Kakorin anymore because how poor Russian team was at the Euros. So I think that's kind of uh, what has further in mind, uh, just to make sure that his, his future is sorted out regardless of what, of, of what happens at the World Cup. Not very patriotic, but very good for his career. But in terms of choice, if he's going to West Ham, that's the weirdest choice he could have possibly made. Uh, that's just, I, I don't, I don't, don't understand. Um, of course, playing in the English Premier League, but I follow it a little bit and West Ham is just a mess club of, a club, club of a complete mess. 
Uh, we all know what happened in their home game against Burnley. And I don't know why would any player would want to join that club at this moment. Well, there's a chance that they could be relegated. Yeah. So So I don't know if he wants to play in the championship next year. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, of course, you know, they, it looks it looks okay for them right now, but there is there is that distinct possibility. So if I was him, um yes it might be good to get these futures sorted before the World Cup, but um I would at least wait to see how the, the Premier League standings end up. <laughs> exactly. Um, playing for West Ham will be a challenge on its own. I, I think it's probably the lifestyle in London, right? That's, that's mostly attracting him. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I'm with you. It's a bit of an odd choice, but especially be, given if he, if he really had a chance of going to Borussia Dortmund and how we both feel about Borussia Dortmund, then, you know, if you had a choice playing for Borussia Dortmund or West Ham, like to me and you, <laughs> this choice doesn't exist even. Yeah, I think Dortmund going a completely different route though in the in the summer. Yeah. They will they will do we, we talked about this in great lengths on on the game pressing podcast, they will do a massive rebuild. Uh, which which they have to because we're speaking about clubs being a mess. Uh, that's definitely the case for them at the moment. And I think they they eyeing up a bunch of players that are a lot younger than Fido Smolov, um because they have someone like similar to him already in Yamolenko, right? So I think maybe West Ham is just the only option for him to finally make that move abroad. And that's maybe why he's jumping on that. So yeah, interesting, interesting one. Um, I guess when it does finally happen, we'll cover it. Um, final thoughts. I mean, you mentioned Galitsky, Tim, and uh, the fact that this is private money. I think, you know, Krasnodar in many ways, things are not going great right now, although they, they're still on course for the Europa League. Um, there was an interesting comment by Evgeny Ginnard and the owner of CSKA saying that clubs shouldn't be dependent on government money anymore. Now, this is the case of Krasnodar. Um, but a lot of clubs in Russia are actually, including Ginnard's club, CSKA, there was a mm-hmm. great article on Sports IU pointing out all the sponsors that CSKA have that are owned directly by the Russian government. Is it ever going to be possible for Russian football to be completely independent from government money. I mean, when you look back at the history of the country, at the times of the Soviet Union where football was 100% state-sponsored, is it ever really going to be 100% possible to say, well, the government is not going to finance football one way or another, given the um, way industry is set up to? I don't know if it's going to be possible uh, completely, but uh, we definitely see that slowly, slowly happening. Um, and clubs, uh, look at, like, to me, the biggest issue is, uh, when the club is like, uh, Tom Tomsk or Amkarb, uh, on the city's budget. And remember how many times we covered on this podcast, then the, the, if the, the government changes, then the budget changes as well. And that affects the football club. Uh, but in terms of just being, staying away from the um, government money or government related money for like the best the big corporations i'm to be quite honest i'm not sure but i want i i I think it will be better for the football if at least like you know there will be more clubs like krasnodar or slightly more independent clubs which are not only mm, based on the pretty much on the on the city's budget even staying with you know like large corporations like zenith and spartak like gazprom and lukoil that is government money, but at the same time, you know, there's kind of more stability because the club is attached to a massive, massive corporation, uh, which one of the strongest businesses in, in the country. And that, if we set aside just politics and economics, just for the football, it gives a club stability because uh, the issue which we have with clubs, which uh, don't have financing to finish the season and thing, things happening like what happened to Amkar, this weekend, what to happen to Tom Tom's last season? It's really just look really there's, because there's lack of stability, there's lack of continuity. Once the vision of the um, city government changes, that affects the football club, that affects the football fans, that affects the football players, and the, because of that, there's just that affects the whole league, uh, and it's just really like there's, there's no structure. And so, if the clubs will be privately owned or at least owned by strong. Um, Start even government-related companies. At least it will give the league stability and some kind of continuity. I think this is the first step. Um, I'm not a 
very knowledgeable in Russian economics and politics, and I don't know how if if it if it is possible, but to, at least like I see that 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 avoid will avoid cases of um, Tom, Amkar, Himki in the past, and that happens to many 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 clubs in Russia, especially at lower divisions. Then they just don't have money to finish the season, and that becomes a kind of a joke, and the sponsorship is completely gone. So. And, but yeah, it's, it's funny how Guinness speaks about, um, you know, being the discontinuing the uh, government sponsorship of money. And then Sportar, you post an article with, I think, seven companies which yeah. are sponsoring CSKA and using government money. Um, interesting approach from Evgeny Lenorich Giron. <laughs> yeah, it's like th- those were in a sense throw the first stone, right? Um, as to say, I think. I think you point out quite a lot of things that are that that are quite true. I think that the first step is, of course, to end direct government ownership, and you point out quite a lot of clubs that have that. Yeah, uh, and then this this is a topic that we've discussed many times. I think that that needs to end because all of a sudden Amka Perm Amka Perm was almost dissolved in the winter. Right? Yeah. Um, so you know now they were able to win this game against Lokomotiv, and they, but it also creates situations where they have to sell a home game. Right to make extra money, and so it's it's just the integrity of the league would be maybe better served if there is less um, government money involved. And I think a hundred percent is going to be impossible just because of the way the Russian government is set up. But I think at least ending slowly weaning off all these government-owned clubs, I think that would be maybe a necessary first step just to get integrity into the league. Anyways, Tim. That's it. Um, that covers it all. We had, we had a lot to cover um, in the end. Um, where can people find you, Tim? What have you been up to? Uh, Floors used to cover or, or pluck whatever you would like to pluck. Thank you. Uh, yeah, people can find me on um, uh, in, oh, sorry, on Twitter, Russian Tim sixty one, and Instagram, uh, from Russia. Uh, my band is playing a few uh, local shows in in Vancouver this month. But the biggest news for me, Mano, is that we. Uh, looks like uh, my band is booking a show in your hometown, Victoria, in the end of June, and hopefully we will be able to hang out at, at your turf, not at a BC place. So I'm going for a way hangout with uh, Manuel Beth, <laughs> hopefully in the end of June. Okay, well, we'll see you. Hopefully I'm back from the World Cup in Russia, Tim, because that's where I'm heading for June. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to manage that uh, uh, that home turf advantage of mine at some point. I'm, I'm 100% sure. You know, the door is always open for you, my friend. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways, anyone, go and check out these shows. If you're in the Vancouver area or in the Victoria area, I know some of the listeners are, go and check out um, punk music, right, Tim? Russian, Russian punk, punk music. Uh, yeah, my band is called Russian Tim and Pavel Borez. Yeah. Um, obviously, the record is to a legendary hockey player. And what we do, we take Russian pop songs and we make um, um, punk cover of those Russian songs. Sounds great. I love it. Oh, 100% sure. I mean, I've listened to some of it. It's fantastic <laughs> stuff. Go check that out if you're into punk music. Tim Bokhtarchev is your man. Um, but yeah, other than that, we have a lot to cover on, had a lot to cover on the Football Grad Network this, this week. Of course, it's Champions League Europa League, so we had match reports there. Um, I covered the Bayern game. Chris Williams is at the Liverpool game, so that match coverage will be out by the time this podcast comes out. Chris Williams will then be at the CSKA Arsenal game, so that match coverage will be out on footballgrad.com. And we have Bundesliga coverage coming up. We have all the podcasts out if you want to find out more on how about the rebuild. Borussia Dortmund, that's our gigging pressing podcast. Um, also tweeted out all at Football Grad Live. I've been your host, Manuel Weff. You can follow me um, on Twitter at Manuel Weff. And also, please, if you have any questions, you can contact us, contact at footballgrad.com. And also, yeah, we're on iTunes, Acast. If you could leave us a review and just let us know what we could do better, how we can improve, or if you just like it, uh, if you like what we do, great. That's a great review too. Please leave one of those as well. Well, thank you again. And until next week, das wird dann hier.
It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.